You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself as a dentist, how do I create more value? Where is healthcare going? Well, today we answer those questions. So you think differently about how you care for people. It's powerful. I have Dr. Steve Karstensen on and he bends our brain with a brand new concept. It's called primary care dentist, the changing role of dentists in healthcare. You have to listen to this. It is awesome. I hope you enjoy it. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I'm absolutely loving this and I just want to say thank you to all you guys listening because I'm having a blast learning from the best minds in all of dentistry in a way that it changes the way you think. And we're going to do just that today with a good friend of mine, Dr. Steve Karstensen, who you've heard him before on our podcast. But today, this one's going to be really good. And we're going to be talking about primary care dentists like the changing role of dentists and healthcare. Steve, thank you for being on, brother. I appreciate you. Oh, it's always fun. And Kirk, you, you always challenge me to come up with something new. And, and I think about something new. I'm like you. You know, we love to be curious about what we're going to do. And I was reading about, um, about, you know, what dentists can do. And I was talking to my friend Kevin Boyd. He's a pediatric dentist in Chicago. And, and, and Kirk, I, I want you to get Kevin Boyd on your program because everybody yes. will love you. Anyway, but Kevin was talking about this and he's thinking, you know, Steve, what really we are is we're primary care and we're primary care dentists. And I thought, well, that's an interesting title. So we talked about it a little bit and Kirk, we actually pitched it to the ADA uh, too. So you may hear more about that later on. I'm certainly pushing for it. But, but the role of, of in healthcare, of primary care involves some definitions that I think matches perfectly with what dentists are doing, many dentists are doing these days to help patients with, you know, things that are outside the oral cavity, things that are connected to what we see every day, but but not not the role of physicians. We don't we're not the similar training, but not the role of the average dentist either. Yeah. It's how do we tell the story that's a little bit better than uh, in, ter- in terms of connection with the patient's health than what we do think of simply 
as what our primary responsibility, oral, oral health, tooth and gums and jaw joints. We got so many other things we can do. Yeah, I want to go back to a word you just used that I love. It's story. Now think about this if you're listening. It's the power of story. The one story is what you tell the patients about why you're unique. But the second one is what you tell yourself about right. our role. So tell us the why on this whole topic. Well, I was reading something about P4 medicine. Now, P4 medicine, in, it uses four different words. And the, the four Ps are predictive, preventive, personalized, and participatory. Okay. So we, I, I'm like, well, that's got to, those are interesting words. And so what can I get from that? Well, I'll, I'll explain them a little bit. Pre, uh, predictive is using big data. And preventive is using some biomedical innovations that we have, some ways we can gather information from patients. And preventive is what we would think of. It's, it's how do we use that data of, and even different data like molecular data and, bi, and, and you know, blood data. And then participatory is when we engage our patients. Well, great. How do you get across thoughts like that? You get across thoughts like that and connect with people through story. So when people tell you, I'm concerned about this, or you notice something and you see, you see it with new eyes, something that you learned at a recent course, something that you heard presented, and you go, wow, how am I going to talk to that patient about these things? Well, you can give them data. You can you know, do a little tiny mini lecture there in the dental office. But really what people listen to is story. What does it mean to them? You know, how, how, what's their reality now? What's new for them? What could be different? Yeah, one of, one of the things we talked about before we hit the go button is those elements of the P4 medicine match up with Dr. Pankey's philosophy. Explain that. Oh, you know I love to talk about that because Dr. Pankey, uh, you know, he, the four elements he comes came up with were know yourself, know your patient, uh, know your work, and apply your knowledge. Well, we think about these things, and if you know yourself, you know that you're not interested in being an average dentist. You want to be a curious dentist. You want to be a connected dentist. You want to be a resource-based dentist for your patients. You get to know your patients. Oh, you know what, Kirk? You know this. Alone in medicine, dentists and dental hygienists and other dental professionals, we spend the time to get to know our patients better than anybody else. I, I was scheduled for a, a, a physician's visit later on today. 20 minutes is what I'm given. Well, the, um, you know, the, nobody gets to know me in 20 minutes. It's a brand new doctor for me at that point. But we see our patients over and over and over again. So we get to know them really well. And we get to be curious and learn more about our profession. We learn more new things. We learn more what impact we can have. We learn some more materials, those kind of things. And then we wrap all of that up and we apply our knowledge. So we, can, we can't just do that by a technique. We can't do that by a new material. We have to do that with that other basis. Well, you think about the P4 part, and that lines up perfectly with that because those four Ps say, let's pick on personalized. Well, that's applying your knowledge to an individual person. And we have uh, participatory. Isn't it best when we have our patients you know, going along with us and doing the flossing, if nothing else, but doing also the uh, checking in with community partners, doing the wellness things, eating better, nutrition, sleeping better, breathing better. And predictive is what we can use the data for to, uh, to add into what we can um, impact we can have with our patients. So it, it lines up perfectly. So P4 Medicine and Panky's Philosophy 
uh, P4 Medicine is kind of new. It's it's about 10 years it first published. But, uh, but Panky's been around for, what, 70 years now? And so we have these things that we can start to meld together and further blur the lines between, quote, medicine and, quote, dentistry. It's really just healthcare. Yeah. Now, I want to go back to this because this is a big concept. And if you're listening, it's very important. You know, one of the personal opinions I have is that there's nobody better positioned to make this world healthy than a dentist because nobody, you know too much when you get to know a patient. When a patient opens their mouth, you're like, you see way too much. And you said, this is really important when you think of yourself as a primary care dentist because it's the entry point to healthcare. Can you explain that? Yeah, well, you think about primary care, what, what you know, primary first, right? Well, it is uh, by definition, by the way, by the, the U.S. Um, fam- uh, Association of Family Practice says, a primary care practice serves as a patient's entry point into the healthcare system. Okay, but how many people go to the primary care doctor as an entry point into the healthcare system? They really go there to complain about a problem. They come to the dentist because they want to enter into the healthcare system. So we do that for them. And then if we notice some issues, we can be another entry point. So that's that first thing first. It's the entry point into the healthcare system. And we are able to observe overall health. Now, we don't have training that that physicians have. We can't listen to hearts or understand how the gut works, but we have some knowledge base about that. And when we see some things going south in the oral cavity, when we get the answers to curious questions on a health history and we pay attention to what they're actually saying, and we look at their medical, um, their list of medications, for example, and we're curious why they're having to take that medication, that gives us a chance to get a view into their overall health and offer up some observations. Let them share with us their story. Maybe they're frustrated with, you know, many undiagnosed problems or I don't like taking these pills and they don't give, have a chance to share that with anybody else. Yeah. I want to share a story because you're blowing my mind right now. So way back when, couple, probably 10 years ago, my wife and I went to the Cooper Clinic yeah. in Texas and right. I spent an entire day with both of them, the father and the son. And they asked me, what do you do? And I said, I worked in dentistry and both of their eyes lit up and they said, you're our only hope. And I I felt like Obi-Wan in Star Wars, you know, like, and I'm like, what do you mean? And they said, you know, we have people from all over the world come here and say, fix me, give me the pill. And he says, I tell them, you want the pill? They go, yeah, give me the pill. He goes, the pill is that hole under your nose. It's how you move. They, you know, there are things you can't prevent, but 70% of health, he said this, is how you move your body and what happens in the hole under your nose. And he said, this is why it's so important for your profession to understand. And you said this earlier, you know, we can get these people we care for to the right other people. We can actually be the quarterback, maybe not do it all, but the multidisciplinary approach and talk about impacting community health. Can you talk just a little bit more about that? Sure. There's really three ways to address a problem. One of, if you have a problem, when your patient has a problem and you want to help it, you can do it. They can do it because if they can be self-care, that we can get them to breathe better. We can get them to exercise. We can get them to control the hole under their nose or someone else can do it. So if we have a problem that we recognize, we get the patient engaged with that issue, they say, I, I, I want a solution to this problem. 
Well, if we become a good community partner, then we are a resource of finding a connection for them to go somewhere else and get it done well with someone who thinks like us. Because if we send them to a narrow-based community health partner, a specialist of some type, a primary care, and that narrow-based person can't see what's going on, then they're going to do their expertise, but if we, uh, but nothing else. If we send them to a, a curious, a engaged community health partner, then we're going to be able to uh, have them reflect back the value of whole person health. And that way you do it, they do it, somebody else does it concept helps create the best person possible because they, they don't have just one pathway for health. They have all three pathways for health. Yeah. You're dropping a lot of words that are prompting like visceral responses for me because I just love learning from you. Like value is an important part of the future. So here's a big why for you as a dentist, if you're listening, the world is going to change. It just will. And a lot of the things that we know now will be commoditized in the future. They just will. But one thing that won't be is value. And so I even tell my kids this. Don't ask for the world for anything. Don't, don't go out to the world and ask for it. Just go out to the world and become valuable to human beings. And you will forever find that they come to you and go, I got to give you money. So one of the challenges you're going to have as a dentist is how do I become more valuable in people's lives as this constant landscape shift happens? This is wonderful, Steve. I absolutely love this. Part of it starts with us thinking that we're more valuable. And um, I, I love the thinking part of this. What else do we need to know about this journey ahead? Well, there's uh, the, the Census Bureau says there's 400, 393 million Americans. There's a 300,000 physicians out there that identify themselves as some kind of family practice or something like that. And there's 160,000 dentists. So that's not enough of any of those. Well, it's enough population, I guess. But if we're going to address some things, then we have to add our skills to the overworked primary care doctors. We can't solve it as dentists. We need the 400, 300,000 uh, primary care doctors as well, but they need us. Because but together, now we have almost 500,000 uh, people paying attention to health. So, but, and underneath us, what do we have? Three, four, five team members? So if somebody comes and sees you and you're curious about their blood pressure, you're curious about their medication, you're curious about supplements and lifestyle, well, understand, you have to understand why you're curious. Don't just check a box on a health history and ignore it. Be, be wondering what's going on. Well, you may not have time as the doctor to be able to make that conversation happen. So your team has to be just as curious and know why they're curious. So it's a great opportunity to engage your team with whole person health and expect in your culture, in your office, in this office, we pay attention to whole person health. In this office, I'm echoing Mary Osborne here. In this office, we're, we want to make sure that what we offer you is more than just a tooth cleaning. We offer you the connection between that and, and how your heart is doing these days. Yeah. And I notice you're taking blood pressure medications. Can you tell me why you're doing that? Yeah. So I want you to put the next layer on this because once you get the foundation right, the future of medicine is going to change. And you mentioned the book Outlive. <laughs> Medicine 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, Dr. Peter Atia 
has written this book and uh, several, so many friends, I think three or four friends all mentioned to me, Steve, you got to read this book because I guess they know me a little bit and they know what I'm interested in. And Peter writes about medicine and three different phases in his, even as just his introduction. Medicine 1.0, he calls it. It's back in the day when they didn't understand a lot of things. I mean, bloodletting and those kind of days. Medicine 2.0 has been, is what we all know. It's evidence-based. It's where we look at studies and we look at research and we think, okay, let's make decisions based on that, which is really good until we come to the limitations of the individual person in the chair. And this is where it gets exciting because he talks about medicine 3.0 as evidence-informed which means we are able to take the good evidence, but use our brains and use our clinical wisdom and use our curiosity to meet the patient in the chair where they are. And that means if they tell us a story that's a little different than the evidence, you know, they weren't participants in that study, so we can't see them as that, but we can see them as the person who says, look, I tried that medication, I tried that treatment, I'm wondering what I'm gonna to do to not have a heart attack when I'm old. The things that are important to them, we can use the evidence to say, oh, let's try it this way. Let's, tr let's go to this person. Have you thought about physical thera therapy? You know, what about a myofunctional therapist? That might meet your needs. I mean, all the right. tools that we have available to us. And so it's evidence informed not necessarily limited to evidence-based. Not bad, not, not ignoring the evidence, but thinking about it as well. Yeah, go back to that. You mentioned, I just, I, again, I just love learning from you. You mentioned, go back to the evidence-informed, CPAP yeah. versus oral appliance and its effectiveness at 21%. Share a little oh. bit more about that. Yeah, two weeks ago, I was at a conference and we had two professors from Belgium that are doing a big research project. And it's not published yet, but they were sharing some preliminary data from it. And they took a bunch of people, I think near over 100 people, no, 92 people, sorry, 92 people, and uh, carefully screened all those good things that went to publish this really well. And they followed them through the process. Now, they screened um, several hundred people, and they started with more than 100 people in a study. And they, they, they followed them through oral appliance therapy, and they followed them through CPAP therapy for a diagnosed severe sleep apnea what is currently labeled a bunch of events per hour. And I'll talk about that in a second. And so they followed them through and they're seeing that the something called mean disease alleviation, which is how well it actually fixes the problem, is equivalent for severe sleep apnea between an appliance and CPAP. But what they also learned going through this process when they looked at the science behind it, they showed with an intent to treat analysis, which means everybody that enters the study has a disease, has severe sleep apnea. So they intend to treat everybody. Now, there's people that drop out. They don't participate. They, don't, they say no, they can't use a CPAP. They, what all the reasons they drop out. But if you take the total volume of screened people and you filter it all the way down to who gets treated, the mean, the, the effectiveness of CPAP was 21%. And that's called the gold standard in treatment these days. Wow. So it just doesn't make any sense from an intent to treat standpoint. Now, here's something really cool that Dr. Bram talked about is mean disease alleviation. I know we're going to get off into airway for just a minute, but uh, but I, I don't care. I always talk about airway. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, the way that this disease was defined years ago was, was an event count. 
Dr. Guillemot realized they could count how many apneas and how many hypopneas and how many times the oxygen changed. And we could come up with an event count. And they came up with labels for that called mild, moderate, and severe. But what they're learning in science now is that really what we have to do is a risk-based assessment. So somebody can have a lot of apneas and hypopneas, but they don't have much cardiovascular effect at all. They don't have that, that gene that Bale and Dunin talk about. Uh, they don't have problems with, with their heart. So their cardiovascular risk is really low. But somebody can have a few events and have a, have a brittle heart health issue, and their risk assessment is really high. So instead of counting the numbers of events, they count the, uh, the risk base. And so they're coming up with new ways to do that. It's based around oxygen levels and things like this, which are really exciting. Well, if you're going to be a primary care dentist and be involved with whole person health, there's nothing that prevents you from sending somebody home with an oximeter. We don't have to test them for sleep apnea events. We can test them for for risk-based oxygen level events. And there's nothing about dentistry that prevents us from checking oxygen levels. So what this might do, Kirk, is finally break open this logjam we have of getting people diagnosed for poor health based on breathing and oxygen levels through the nighttime. The mm-hmm. thing that was defined 40 years ago, the thing that is keeping people uh, unhealthy because they don't recognize the problem or they're afraid of the solution or they don't want to do the test. If we have a simpler way to do that, now we can be better community health partners. Right. And, and if we recognize that they have a problem, we might be able to decide that we can fix it we might be able to say the patient can fix it by, you know, positional therapy or some other thing. Or we might decide that somebody else needs to fix it by sending them off to the primary care physician or the ENT or the sleep doctor. So yeah. a new way of approaching it. Yeah. Now, you guys have to understand, Steve travels all over the world. He's going to Uruguay, Rio. I mean, you go to some cool stuff. You get to see firsthand what's going on in the world. You meet with some of the top professionals anywhere on these subjects. So here's one of my favorite questions of any guest that I have. It's anybody's guess what the future looks like. But if I'm listening to this, Steve, tell me why this topic is so important and where is healthcare going to support this message? Like we're guessing right now, but let's fast forward two, three years from now. What's your hypothesis? Well, healthcare is going into ways of gathering data that we've never had before. Think about your aura ring, your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, whatever you use. That data is all going into a cloud, right? Right. And so we uh, scientists can use that cloud data to identify patients or populations at risk in healthcare projections. And as we are able to contemplate the impact or the the importance of what we're seeing, healthcare is going to have to address those issues. And the current models we have across the board aren't going to be able to address some of those issues. And that means that we have to recruit curious, trained, um, involved healthcare professionals to see what we can do to make community health better and early in life as possible. So if we can identify a child, for example, who isn't breathing correctly, isn't growing correctly, isn't developing the proper habits, then we can change their healthcare trajectory early in life. And maybe we don't have all these, you know, 40, 15, 60 year olds with cardiovascular disease. That's generational. But as we're curious about it, as we're able to see better and better ways of assessing people's risk now, not numbers so much, but risk, 
then we're going to be able to engage patients on different levels, apply our knowledge at different um, parts of their lives. And as we know them better, you know, we'll just be better and better doctors across the way. Yeah, I love this. I think you're opening up a huge conversation here and we'll take it apart in the shows that follow. Um, I, I, you know, if, I want you to address if I'm a dentist listening, where do I get started? We'll, we'll get there in just a second. But like, what are your final thoughts? Give us some final thoughts on how you can position yourself with a story for yourself and your patients as your primary care dentist to change the role of a dentist in healthcare. Yeah, people listening to this are going to they're going to be the dentists that are curious about their patients. Right. So if you're going to apply that that philosophy, sit down with your health start with your your health history and look at it for the first time. Take a new fresh pair of eyes at it and wonder why you're asking these questions. Make sure you're cur- you're clear on that one. Sit down with your team, go through that with them and see what they think the why is behind answering the questions and develop that culture. You're going to find some of your team members are going to get very excited about being more important to your patients. And then talk to your patients about that. And when they say, when they check the box that I'm taking antihypertensives, ask them how they feel about it. And that's going to lead you into conversations that you've never had before. Right. When you that, you're going to reach out and go, man, I got to know more about this stuff. You're going to get outlived by Peter Atia. You're going to listen to Bale and Donine talk about heart healthy issues. You're going to become a, a resource for your patients. And then you're going to wonder, what doctors are you seeing? And you're going to call up those primary care doctors. and You can go, I, I want to help. And you're, they're, they're looking for people to help them. So yeah. you'll find it's so powerful. You said this, and I just want to piggyback on what you just said. Not only be a community resource, but be one for them. Yeah. Yeah. They think, you know, there are primary care physicians out there that think that are looking for dentists that can be partners with them because they know they can't do it all either. Yeah. And some of, of course, plenty of physicians think that all we do is, you know, fix teeth and clean teeth. But there are physicians out there that recognize that, look, there is a group of dentists out there that are really doing a better job and that and being better doctors. And, and so when two good doctors get together, they, they provide great patient health options. Yeah, this is amazing. I'm just going to say, if you guys are listening to this, if you haven't seen Steve speak, you got to see Steve speak. Now, I want you to talk about the resources where I would get started listening. I want you to talk about Ricky's Instagram. I also want you, you got a magazine. Like, where can I go to learn more about what you're up to, Steve? Guide us. Well, I, I'm a chief dental editor of Dental Sleep Practice Magazine, and I'm chief dental editor. We have a chief medical editor, too, Dr. Serkin. So we bring medicine and dentistry together in, in Dental Sleep Practice Magazine. It's dentalsleeppracticemagazine.com, easy to go to. And, um, and so... You know, if, if this is the first time you've been introduced to how you can impact patients who have airway, sleep problems, other problems, or, and if you've taken maybe a sleep airway course before, I'd be delighted to connect with anybody. Um, I've got Instagram and Facebook. It's real simple. It's at Steve Karstensen DDS. Now, Karstensen may not be as simple as Steve and DDS, but Steve Karstensen DDS, uh, where you can post, where I, I post short videos. And I love talking about this. I do little videos like this. It's fun. And then you can also, and I link to, to Act Dental too, because it's, yeah. that's, 
<laughs> you can also learn more about sleep and airway disorders, how to incorporate this into your practice by joining. A, I have a Breathe Away Learning Group. And every year we have cohorts that uh, sit down together on Zoom, you know, and we, we learn together about these things. I have presentations and we talk. We don't open a new group for a little while, but if you want to be on the the, the uh, list for that, just DM me at, uh, at stevecarstensendds.com on Facebook or Instagram, and then we can put you on a list. So that's a good place to start. But if you're going to be curious, my, my favorite resources these days include things like Outlive by Peter Atia, uh, Healthy Heart, Healthy Brain by Bale and Donine. D- Bradley Bale's a cardiologist. Amy Donine's an ARMP PhD. And, and I tell you, those guys have written a couple of books that are just to speak to anybody who's curious about how to be in better impact for community health. And, um, uh, you know, there's and the Collaboration Cures is coming up. Probably just about the time this may be broadcast, it might be over, Kirk. But uh, but collaboration cares to AAPMD, Howie Hinden's group. It's it's you know that's always a popular thing. Yeah. So I'm, in, I'm digging that. Oh, you mentioned World Sleep. Uh, you know what's, what's extra fun? What is I I am part of the World Sleep Academy, and so they bring in uh, young physicians from around the world. And they talk to them about all kinds of things. And I'm, I guess, the dentist representative on the World Sleep Academy because I get to talk about oral appliances. I get to talk about things like this. I get to talk about uh, what dentists can do and measure around the world. And I was talking to a physician from Georgia on, on one of these calls the other day, Georgia, the country. Um, and, uh, and she said, you know what? I don't think any of my dentists know any of these things. And so it's like, wow, you know, we get to spread the word around the world. So yeah. about what importance of dentistry. It's so cool, buddy. You are changing the world. Keep up the great work, my friend. So it's awesome. Now, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. So whether you're listening to Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, just flip up to the notes. You're going to see links to everything that Steve and I discussed. You can click on them. It'll take you right to the magazine and all of the wonderful efforts that he's a part of. Steve, as always, I appreciate you, brother. It's excellent. Keep doing what you're doing because you're spreading the word. You're, get, you're letting a lot of people share a little bit about what they know, Kirk. And that's so critical because that, we, I, I talk about curiosity. And if you're curious as a dentist, that means you're trying to grow. You're trying to do better. And when you go to Act Dental, you know, look at all the ways we can get better. So thank you for what, doing what you do, Kirk. Oh, buddy, it's my pleasure. I love this profession. I love CE and I love the people. So I'm going to keep doing it. As long as people are listening, I'm going to keep doing it. So Stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor. Hit the share button. Keep sharing this with your friends. I don't know how it's growing. I don't even know why. It doesn't even matter. But uh, I love the suggestions. Love all the shares. So keep doing it. Until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information, 
so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.